sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Lots of pre-owned inventory. A great service department and sales staff. That sales staff, they're not there for the sale. They're there to make sure you get the car that you need that fits your budget. That's why they're the home of the repeat customer. And that service department, well, they're there to help you with whatever you need for your current car. Got a big project on your car coming up, state inspection, simple oil change, they got you covered. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Two days away now from the Final Four. Looking forward to that. We got Kansas and Villanova at 6.09. Duke and UNC at 8.49. I really can't wait for that game. First time both those rivals are going to meet in the NCAA tournament. Of course, with Coach K's final season. And you can hear those right here on WKOK. As well as next Monday's national championship game. So we're looking forward to that. Now we go to what continues to be just storyline after storyline in this NFL offseason. The latest is Bruce Arians comes out of nowhere and steps away as head coach, and now he's going to move to a front office role with the Bucks. It is kind of interesting timing. It's kind of odd timing as well because, of course, Tom Brady unretired after 42 days and looks like a good amount of the free agents that made up the Super Bowl winning team and last year's team of course most of them are coming back and also too when you we look at where you are right now you're a month away from the draft it's kind of a tough spot for a head coach to take over at this point of at this point of the offseason, you've already been through free agency, and now you're a month away from the draft. Now, for the Bucks, luckily, you have a guy in Todd Bowles who has been a head coach before, albeit not that successful, but he's been a head coach before, he's been in that spot, and of course he's your he was your defensive coordinator, so it's an easy transition. But I I am. I still think. I know Bruce Arians has had his share of health scares. I gotta think that's probably what's up because I don't know why he would just walk away from 
having a chance of winning another Super Bowl with Tom Brady coming back. It's another thing if you want to walk away after Tom Brady said he is retired. At the time he said it. That would make total sense. But I honestly still think it, it, it has to be health-related. But, I mean, that's just me. I'm not Bruce Arians. Maybe it was something else that we'll never know. I mean, he is 70. Again, he's had some of those health issues before. So, I, I mean, I, I got to think it's that. Because I don't know why you would... If you're healthy enough and have the drive to coach, maybe you just didn't have it either anymore. I don't know. Again, I'm not him. But if you have the drive and you're healthy enough to go out for another season and you know you have Tom Brady back as well as everybody else that's been on the Super Bowl team and the team the last two years. I don't know why you would walk away. But good for Todd Bowles. He's back in the head coaching spot. Obviously, he's in a much better situation than where he was in his other stops as head coach. And now he's got a chance to continue to make a name for himself in the league. I've always thought of him as one of those good coordinator, not a good head coach. But he's got th- some things to work with now, and I'll be curious to see how that dynamic works. There were some there were some thoughts that, you know, Tom Brady maybe had something to do with it with him coming back. But I I don't see that. Because they were I mean, again I'm not there, but everything seemed like everything was simpatico between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And Brady seemed to embrace kind of the hard-nosed coaching mentality that Bruce Arians comes with. So I thought they were a good duo to work together, but that's why I have a hard time believing that. But again, you you don't you never know. So, but this NFL offseason, man, this has just been one of the wildest offseasons I I have ever seen. We're going to start with the organization that seems to pick up on your cues. The Yankees. The wine. Oh, my goodness. Brian Cashman. Stow it. I just saw this come across. I mean... Stow it. Do you want to know why the Yankees lost to the Astros in 2017? I know your trash cans and all this other stuff, okay? Right? You want to know why your team lost? Was it because of trash cans? They lost all four games in Houston, correct? Yes. Coincidentally, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out know, there. Do you, do you want to know what your team hit in the four games in Houston? Yeah, it was terrible. I don't remember 156. Exactly. Yeah. 156. 156. How many games are you winning hitting 156? What What element does a trash can have over the pitching staff with Houston? Two for 16 with runners in scoring position. Really? Okay. And you're you're whining? Oh, and by the way, 
Do you know how many runs, except for one four-run eighth inning when Verlander was pitching, by the way? You know what they what the Astros scored in the other 35 innings in Houston? 11 runs. The Yankee pitching was good in that series. He only gave up 11 runs in Houston except for one four-run inning in the eighth when Verlander had the lead and was, and was pitching, and he wasn't going to get touched. Your team at 156, 156, okay? When you hit 156, you are not winning games. And he's out there. He, he's got to stow it. We would have been in the World Series. I mean, Houston cheated about but Stop it. Okay? You had your shot. You didn't hit. Okay? You would have an argument if the Astros went out and were just grouping runs left and right, winning games. You know, in the four games in Houston, if the Astros went out and scored, I don't know, 25 runs. 25 runs. They scored 11. 11. Except for the one four-run eighth inning when Verlander had the lead and... The Yankees were going to touch him. He went 156, 2 for 16 with runners in scoring position, right? What do trash cans have to do with that? Tell me. This is your team. This is your wine. Go ahead. Tell me. How How did cheating affect your offense? You hit 156, 2 for 16 with runners in scoring position. You didn't score. You didn't score. And you know who's never complained about it? Never. Have you noticed? Who has never complained about it? Ever. Joe Girardi. He lost his job over it. He then went to MLB Network, never complained. Went to the Phillies, has never complained. Has been on numerous occasions where, right, he's been interviewed, never has complained. He's smart enough to know when you hit 156 in four games in somebody else's ballpark, you are not winning. Yet you think 156 should have been enough to swing the game your way because they cheated. Again, the Astros scored a whopping 11 runs in the other 35 innings except for one four-run eighth. Again, you gotta take, you got to take some time, and I pointed this out. you got to actually take five minutes and look stuff up. It takes five minutes. Instead of sitting there going, narrative, narrative, got a narrative. Narratives are BS. It's a bottom line. Almost every narrative is BS. Okay. We know that they cheated. They said they cheated. We got it. I got that. Trash cans, the whole thing. But in this case, he's got to shut up. His t- your team didn't hit. What are you saying? What, no trash cans? You're going to win all four games, one nothing? I will say this. It is, it's kind of just come out of nowhere. Like, if you really had that big of a gripe with it, you should have said something at the time when it was hot, like when they admitted it when it first happened, all that kind of stuff. You're just talking about it now when we're four or five seasons removed from that? Come on. Here's the problem. The Yankees in this century have won once. I get that. And 
He has a lot. Right? To, he oh, has a lot by, to do with and it. And by the way, oh, and by the way, who was the star of that team? Who was the star of the 2009 team? Well, for me, I, I for me it would be Mariano who Rivera. St- who was who was the postseason star of that team? Oh, it was Mo, and it was Andy Pettit. No, it was Alex Rodriguez. Oh, big problem. That too. Big problem. Oh, and by the way, he better keep his mouth shut. They haven't released the Yankee letter yet. Uh oh. I mean, again, I realize that he's probably feeling pressure. Brian Cashman is a really good general manager. He's really good. I think he has done as well as you can ask him to do in his position as a GM. He has kept his team competitive. He has made good trades. He has made good signings. He has actually replenished the Yankee farm system. He's used some of that farm system to get some veterans. Brian Cashman's done a really good job. A really good job. The problem is they only had that one championship. Okay? Which, again, goes back to what I talk about all the time. It's hard to win. The lack of appreciation on the difficulty to win is something that really hurts sports right now. And so he's getting questions now, like, yeah, it's been 13 years since you guys won a World Series. You've only won one World Series in this century. And Okay, right? So he's feeling the heat. Just from the questions. So he says, well, we would have had one. What do you mean you would have had one in 17? Right? In 2003, okay, Aaron Boone hit a walk-off home run against the Red Sox to get the Yankees to the World Series. Right? Okay? Correct. All right? What did the Yankees do in the World Series? Choked they the Marlins. They lost in six games to a better Marlins team because they had better pitching. I mean, Josh Beckett dominated them the same way Josh Beckett dominated them in 2007 with the Red Sox. It's a better player, better pitcher, better than what you got. Okay? Simple as that. But they didn't win. He's presuming they would have beaten the Dodgers. Do you think the Yankees would have beaten the Dodgers in 2017? Nobody knows. Yeah. But guess what? He's presuming they would have beaten the Dodgers. Maybe they would have. There's also a good chance they may not have. But just by beating Houston doesn't mean they would have won the whole thing. In 2003, they beat the Red Sox. In all likelihood, probably a better team than the Marlins. Okay? But they didn't win the World Series. Right? Yep. This is your team, your organization. It's just all part of the whiner mentality. Yeah, like I said, I I don't get this timing. It's it's time to move on. Right. Did the Astros cheat? Yes. We know it. We understand it. But don't complain when your team, if the Yankees had hit, let's just say, if the Yankees had hit 280 in the four games in Houston, and it put up some runs, and they lost some games like six to four, you know, eight to six. You know what I mean? Now I'm like, there. You've got an argument, but when you're hitting 156, boy, here comes the thunder. Okay. Oh yeah. 
Wow. But when you hit one when you hit one fifty six in those four games and you go two for sixteen with runners in scoring position, that has nothing to do with trash cans. That's your inability to hit. I mean that's I mean that's where he loses everybody. Just Brian, you're I acknowledge you're really good at your job. And he is. I think Brian Cashman is a really good general manager. But my goodness, after a while, stop the whining. You lost the thing. Well, you want to know why you lost? In part, yeah, sure. Did they cheat? Yeah, but they only scored 11 runs in 35 innings at home. That's it. 11 runs in 35 innings? They had the one four-run inning, the eighth inning, when Verlander was pitching, and they were winning. It just... You know, they weren't going to the, the Astros were not losing that day with Verlander out there. The problem is you didn't hit. You know, they had a they had a relay in that game where Correa hit the ball into the gap, and the Yankees totally botched the relay. Like, come on. Right? You lost. Hey, I got it. I know I look, we all know the Astros cheated. They admitted it. But okay. One of the reasons you lost was because of you. <laughs> okay? You're actually one of the reasons. And it's good that Matt hears this. That way we can have an honest conversation with his two sons about his team. An honest conversation with them. Well, that's right. And and not make up some fairy tale that little Luke and little Mark where mom has to come in and correct it. <laughs> yes, if mom even knew what I was talking about, but yes. I've talked to her. She knows way more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have what I refer to as a suit segment coming up. It's not about the Indy 500. We all know the suit has a propensity for a little side wager. F O U L E D. That spells falda. If you're and if you're asking why he still works to this day, is because not all the wagers pan out. <laughs> so we have to keep our job. We're going to talk to Brandon Lang next half hour. Great to have you with us today as we talk about the Final Four next, after we finally crushed the Yankee fans' idea of cheating. You hit 156 in the four games in Houston. You lost because you couldn't hit. You weren't losing 8-6. to six. I apologize for showing up to the show prepared. Matt? <laughs> Oh, my almighty! <laughs> We're having fun today here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Just a crushing opening segment for you, I felt. I just, I just felt, I just, I feel awful for you. <laughs> no, it was a stupid. Whining. It was a stupid thing for him to say right you're, now. Yeah, your GM is whining, moaning, and complaining. I mean, it sounds like you. <laughs> you know what he should be doing right now? <laughs> Getting more pitching. Everybody needs more pitching. Everybody. There isn't anybody out there that doesn't need it. Everybody's in desperate need. I think once when, when they get to, they're going to start with twenty-eight players, Matt, this year. For the first month, because with the lockout, they're right. trying to give you more more pitching, which is smart. They need to do that. But when they go to 26, I think you're going to be restricted, I believe, the 13 pitchers. So they're still going to put the runner on second in extra innings. Double headers are going to be nine innings. Not seven. And if a guy is a starting pitcher and is taken out as a pitcher, he can stay in the game as a hitter. In other words, the Shohei Otani rule. So. I don't like the, the runner on second. In minor league baseball, I'm all for it. I'm all for it in minor league baseball because it's minor league baseball. Not at not at the major league level. It's That's just not me. baseball, right? Oh, the, the Williamsport fans were so funny that night. <laughs> they kept chanting it. And I'm laughing. I tell that story all the time. And uh, but in the minor leagues, yeah, I'm fine because really the winning and losing part, yeah, it's important. But you know. But also, you know, let's, like, you know, we don't need to be here till 1 in the morning. You know what I mean? And there's only X amount of pitchers you have. You can't you can't be playing around with your pitching staff in the minor leagues. The major leagues, you can. You can bring guys up. The Yankees, if they needed to say the Yankees are playing the Orioles and it's a game that goes 18 innings and they've used guys, they can go to Scranton, Wilkesbury, and they can bring up four guys. You know what I mean? Just kind of fill the bill for a couple of days. You know, you can do that. So, all right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, time for the Souk the Greek uh, segment. Yes, Souk the Greek uh, has uh, wagered 
a few times in the course of his career. That would be accurate, don't you think? That's one of the wow. most affectionate smooches of all time. <laughs> uh, the So, uh, we got Brandon Lang here. You know, maybe we'll have a freshman like ner- uh, Never Nervous Purvis Ellison in 86 be the uh, MOP, uh, like Apollo Ben Carroll. We'll find out. Brandon, great to have you with us. Oh, my God. Uh, best run I've ever had in 30 years in March. Um, I'll get to that in a minute, but you brought up Purvis Ellison's name. It just jars, you know, again, your your brain's like a computer, and so unless somebody jars a memory. So I'm, dri- I'm in Marina Del Rey, the Boston Celtics are in town. They're Santa Cruz, Carlton, and Marina Del Rey. I'm driving through the parking lot. So I had a massive bet on Louisville in that game, and, and Nervous Purvis made two huge free throws late in the game that, yeah. that sealed it. Yeah. And I'm driving in the parking lot in Marina Del Rey, and I see this tall black guy. I'm like, that's got to be an NBA player. So I pull my car up. It's Purvis Ellison. So he's talking to somebody. I park my car, and I get out. And I go, yo! I go, my man, you made me so much money with those free throws in the national championship game. I said, you the man, baby, you the man. <laughs> he didn't say thanks. I'm just letting you know how these guys think. He didn't say thanks. He didn't say that's cool. He didn't say great, great member, whatever. He goes, where's my cut? Yeah. Where's my cut? <laughs> exactly. Like, it didn't go to anything else, but in mind, like, yeah. where's my cut? And I looked at him, I said, oh. Man, you! I said you make enough money. Where's my cut? And I got my car drove away. I'm like, oh, what? You know what? But but I mean, that's hilarious that you brought that up in your little whatever bank. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been it's been incredible. You know, we release one play a day at BrandonLang.com, and I was eight no in the NCAA tournament going into last Sunday. Had just hit, had just hit. You know, Texas Southern the opening Tuesday. Um, took Murray State over San Francisco. Took Miami over USC came back with St. Peter's plus eight and a half over Murray State wow. Sunday Miami plus plus the seven and a half over Auburn then I went in the last Thursday with Nova over Michigan okay. Friday came back with my biggest play of my career with Miami of Florida over Iowa State yep. Saturday came back with Nova over Houston a uh, man enough to admit on the wrong side had no right win in the game one for 20 from three Houston was the better team they just couldn't make a shot yeah. and then Sunday I liked North Carolina minus the points over St. Peter's but Miami had made me money three times in the tournament. Went back to the well. Was looking great at the half. Yes, I've already made a call. I've already made a call to CSI Miami. <laughs> have them investigate what was putting the Gatorade at half. And then I called the number one brain surgeon in the country. He's flying down to Miami to have Lorraine get checked for dementia because he forgot how to coach in the second half. So, um, so finally lost one, eight and one, uh, twelve and two, all tournaments combined. Texas A&M Tuesday night. Um, got yeah. it done big over Washington State. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're at going in the Final Four. So it's been great. Um, it's just been a, you know, it's, I think college basketball is my best sport. I love handicap it more than anything else. And just getting on the right side of games and then getting lucky when you're not on the right side. That's what yeah. you got to do if you're going to have a run like this. Why is it your favorite? Why, why is your favorite to go, to go in that in that direction? Because you are, you know, when it comes to college basketball, you're dealing with the decisions of 18- to 22-year-olds. Because I should have played college basketball. You know, people ask me how real how real two for the money is. Yeah. And I said, well, we took Matt to a playground. Because I was going to walk on and play basketball at UNLV. I was averaging 37 a game in a winter league. I'd played pickup on Saturday morning with Keith Starr, the assistant coach for, for Target UNLV. And I was lighting Keith up. We sat down. He goes, where'd you play college ball? I said, I didn't. I went in the Navy. 
uh, played on the battleship New Jersey and and uh, was actually offered a scholarship to play with David Robinson at the Naval, Comatic, Naval Academy, but I didn't want to commit six years of my life. So I got out and I just kind of been bouncing around. He goes, and you have all four years of eligibility. I said, yeah. He goes, you should come meet Tark at his restaurant. He goes, just come walk on. I don't know how much playing time you're going to get, but we need somebody older. That was Larry and Stacy and Anderson and the whole crew. And right. Greg Anthony. that was the national, national championship. He goes, he goes, you probably won't see much playing time, but mop up. He goes, but we need an older guy in practice. It's not afraid of these guys. And I'd played pickup with, with Larry and Stacy and those guys at the sporting house anyway. And I said, cool. So I go to meet Tarkin's restaurant. It's a great story. And first thing he says is, he tells me you can play. And I like to Keith. I like to Tarkin. Hey, Tark, I wouldn't be here if I couldn't. And he goes, fair enough. He goes, I have one question. Can you get good grades? And I looked at Tark and I said, Tark, I'm 26 years old and I'm white. What do you think? And he starts laughing. And he goes to Keith. He goes, I like this kid. He says, I tell you what, you go through our preconditioning program four months in September. He says, you get through that, I'll let you walk on. I said, man, fair enough. Nice meeting you, Tark. Keith at the sporting house walked out. Two weeks later, blew out my knee. Uh, so when we took so when we took McConaughey to the playground, yeah. it was me, producer Jay Cohen, re- director DJ Caruso, and, and Matt. I threw Matt a basketball and said, "Matt, shoot!" And he shot it. And I looked at the three of them and said, "He can't play dead in the Western." I said, "So we got no shot with basketball." I said, "Give me that football." They threw me a football. I threw Matt a football. So Matt, throw it. Zip the spiral. I said, "All right, the movie's going to take place in a football season. We've solved that problem." <laughs> and so, so that's what we that's what we did with two for the money. So. Um, I think I understand the game. I think I just, I really do. I understand matchups. I understand, you know, listen, when Arkansas got beat Saturday by Duke, they just ran out of gas because of what the Gonzaga game took out of them. No doubt. And that's what was going to happen with St. Peter's on Sunday. Yep. Is that that game over Purdue took so much out of them. I don't care who you are. You win in a you know elite eight. You win a sweet sixteen game, like Purdue the way you did. You're just not going to have enough gas in the tank, and and that's exactly what happened. So um, I think I understand it. I understand the situation. More importantly, I understand players and how teams match up. And and I, you know I'm not going to get them all right, but but it, for me it's easier to get on the right side of games than in the wrong side of games for me in college basketball than, than any other sport. All right, so you get into a game like Villanova-Kansas coming up on Saturday. It'll be the first game. Moore's out. You and I both know Villanova was only playing six guys to begin with. You and I both know that pace means everything, and in all likelihood, Villanova's pace will dictate this. If the game goes past 65, Villanova, to me, doesn't have a chance. Am I right or wrong? They don't have a chance anyway. Well, that's it. That answers that. We're done. We're done. All right. Segment. They, yeah. they, <laughs> they, they just, they just, they just don't. When, when you get to a Final Four, and it's not like Villanova is a juggernaut offensively to begin with. They have lulls at time, mm-hmm. and so when, when you, when you take away fifteen points a game in the confines of an offense, you're taking away your, your one of your top two options. Mm-hmm. So he's gone. You're losing 15 points from from an offense that, that, that bogs down. You can't replace that in a Final Four. You might be able to replace it at Butler on a Tuesday night in Big East play. Mm-hmm. But you're now facing an elite team that found themselves in the second half of Miami. Yeah. I don't mean just found themselves. They found themselves. Listen, Miami may have jacked up threes and, and may have gotten bogged down offensively. 
but they were still a top 10 defensive team in the country that could lock you down and turn you over, and Kansas ran mm-hmm. them out of the gym. Yep. Villanova is good, but when you think of this Kansas team, they're a lot like Marquette. Mm-hmm. Marquette beat Villanova at Marquette. Yep. Marquette went into Villanova and beat them there. Villanova struggles with really big athletic teams. Kansas is a big athletic team. Huge. It's a bad matchup for Villanova. It, it really, really is. Give Jay Wright credit. And, you know, if this kid was playing, I'd give him a fighter's chance. But people, if they jump on Villanova here plus the four and a half, you're going to know in the first 10 minutes you're in trouble because Kansas is just going to keep coming at you in waves. They are. They're just going to keep you. And if you, you have a little four- or five-minute stretch against Kansas where you're not going to score. And Villanova struggles with a team that has a, a low post presence like they do with McCormick. And yeah. God forbid somebody gets in foul trouble. Somebody gets in foul trouble. Now you're two, three deep into your bench. Now what do you do with guys who haven't seen any minutes? Listen, I give Jay credit, but at some point – you had to put some babies in there to get him some minutes just in case like something like this happened. He chose not to do that. And I think he's probably one of the top three best coaches in college basketball. Give him credit for getting to the Final Four. But an X's and O standpoint, I think it's a bad matchup, and I think Kansas wins by double digits. All right, so when North Carolina played Duke at Chapel Hill, Duke ran him out. Oh, when, ugly. I had uh, North Carolina that uh, game. And when they went to Cameron, Duke had – decent control until two minutes to go in the first half, and that's where, to me, the game was lost in the last two minutes of the first half. Uh, because in the second half, they ran rough shot over them. They went high. Yeah. high you, you know, as you know, I'm not telling you, they went high screen and roll, and, yeah. they, and they got they got Duke completely, I mean, one, one back door after another, you know, which then when Duke adjusted, they went to threes. So your thoughts on the third meeting between the two? First of all, you could give me tomorrow's sports page today, and Mike Shashevsky would still figure out a way to beat me. Yeah. I kid you not. Mike Shashevsky gets news that Brandon Lane thinks Duke's going to cover the half, four and a half. Mike will make sure he wins by two. And if I say <laughs> take North Carolina plus four and a half, and Mike finds out about it, I can't win with Duke. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't win with them. They bury me every single time. But I will say this: the, the last game of the year. They were under a tremendous amount of pressure. 100 players in the building, and they just played tight. They looked tight. They played tight. Yep. They succumbed to the pressure of trying to win coaches last game. And so you ask me why I, I, I'm pretty successful in college basketball. Because I trust my eyes. I trust what my eyes are showing me and telling me. It's going to be a great game. But this is a different Duke team right now. They're just the Roach is a beast. Banchero is a beast. Williams yeah. is a Mike's Mike's got this team playing at a different level. I just think like if if Duke shows up with their best and North Carolina shows up with their best, North Carolina cannot beat them. Like this is a different team. This team has found themselves. As much as I hate to say it, I, I just and believe me, I if they win it all, I'll be I'll be sick for years if this guy retires winning the national championship. I'll be sick to my stomach. I'll be rooting for Kansas more than life itself. But <laughs> at the end of the day, my lean in a rivalry is to always take the points. And four and a half is a big number with two teams that really know one another. Um, and my gut says to take the points. My brain says Duke's got a swagger about him right now. And I just have this feeling if I take North Carolina plus the points, it's going to be that meeting in Chapel Hill all over again. I turned it off five minutes into the game when they're up 12 going, I got no shots this game whatsoever. Right. 
But again, you mentioned Roach, which is, see, again, this is your knowledge of the game. Inserting Roach back into the starting lineup. Huge. When he did, changed everything for them. Yep, yep. He can't, you can't stay in front of him. You can't. He's opened up, he's opened up everything. There, there, I've not seen one guard in this tournament who's been able to stay in front of that guy. Yeah. Not one. He's just, he's, he's unbelievable. And they did a, they did a ranking of the 20 starters for four teams. So all four teams, 20 starters. Yeah, saw the ranking. Um, and Duke's got four. Um, Duke's got four in the top 10, five in the top 13. So Vegas is essentially telling you they have the most talent collectively. Yeah. And if that talent plays the way it's been playing, I, I just don't see North Carolina beating them. And, and then the last thing you have to keep in mind, Coach K coaching in a Final Four. You get him to this level here, the the guy can coach. And I don't know if Hubert Davis in this big a moment can outcoach Coach K. I, I just don't know. If the talent's equal, who do you give the lean coaching-wise? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. God's been so, there 13 times. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm going to watch that game and enjoy it. Kansas is my big play. Yep. And then if, if we get a Kansas-Duke matchup, I imagine Kansas will be plus two and a half. Yep. If you get a Kansas-North Carolina matchup, I imagine that game will probably be Pickham or maybe Kansas minus one and a half. Um, God, I don't even want to think about that right now just because I, I don't trust Bill Self and I don't trust Coach K. I might release a hockey game that night and just, just say, sorry, guys, go pick it yourself. <laughs> I, mean, I, know I, I know I can't do that, but I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> uh, Brandon, thanks so much for your time. Great conversation as always. Thank you. Got it. Thanks, bud. Uh, yeah, thanks, Brandon. Um, several text messages here from Suit the Greek. It's you know, he's one of the reasons they put the disclaimers on at the end of the ads. All right, back with more. <laughs> no, señor! No, señor! No, señor! Oh, come on, you wish you'd said it. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. We go to the freshman running back. James just had some good things to say about Katron and Nick. What, what are your earliest impressions and, and really how that running back group is responding? They're impressive, uh, I'll tell you. And, and those two guys are going to make it ultra competitive in that room. Um, they're very explosive. And I, what, what, what's impressive to me is that they came out of high school and physically they're, they're at a, a stage uh, to where they can do all things. You don't have to worry about what down it is with those guys. They can play on all downs because of their physical strength and their maturity. Um, so we just have to get them squared away mentally from a protection standpoint, assignment standpoint, and those sorts of things. But they're doing a hell of a job, and they're just going to raise the competitiveness, the competitive level in, in that room. Mike Yurcich yesterday after practice. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting that he brought up Nick Singleton in pass protection. I was talking on the sideline yesterday with Wayne Sebastianelli, and, I, and, and Wayne said, what do you think of the kids? I said, you know what? I said, the way Singleton runs, you can just see he just knows he is really a terrific prospect. I said, but Wayne, I said, that kid blocks. I said, he throws his, th- he throws his body in there, and he will do blitz pickup. That's interesting for a young running back, especially one that didn't have to do a lot of that in high school. And Catron Allen's a lot the same way. Allen is not afraid to throw his body in there on blitz pickup. 
Really, really good.